0: Hey, how's it going, church? Some of you have uh, participated in in, uh, a few of the teachings, perhaps, that we've offered, maybe all of them, maybe you've missed a few, maybe this is your first one. Uh, Welcome. Uh, As we enter into Holy Week, I want to give us some context. So we are part of, we participate as the body of Christ globally, as the church of Jesus in what is typically referred to as a church calendar, for certain Protestants or maybe uh, low church folks like myself growing up, that was an alien concept. I didn't even know what that was. And it's become really dear to me in my own journey as providing helpful framework. So one way to, th- to think about it is we have two types of time. We have uh, chronos time, which is like clock time and calendar time. And then uh, we have kairos time, which is, a, that's God time. That's a, a whole other deal. Uh, that doesn't go in like a linear fashion. And so we're totally wired around clock time and calendar time. I am, you are, that's how we drive. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But as we follow Jesus increasingly, I think it's helpful that we align ourselves with God time. And the church calendar helps us do that. We have a calendar. It's important. You don't want to miss birthdays and special events or be late for certain important things in your life. So stay on on track with your regular calendar i'm not saying that but more importantly as followers of jesus we've got to tune our hearts and our minds to god's calendar and i think that's the church calendar and it's also beautiful to think that throughout space and time and right now all over the world and the global church is exploding, there's revivals happening everywhere, that we are joining with, our, with other followers of Jesus and other churches to participate in the church calendar. So the church calendar starts in uh, December with Christmas. And so that's the beginning of the church calendar. So again, wipe away that the beginning is January. That's, the, that's a secondary calendar. The real calendar begins in December, and then off we go. And here's the way I explain it that's been helpful for me. I think as we participate in the church calendar, certain feast days, certain remembrances, the big events, we begin to enter the story and make it our own, which is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. We learn from the past, we pull that truth forward, but in the moment, we're meant through the power of the Holy Spirit to relive the story we're in. And we're always being told to remember, always being told to remember because we forget. And remembrance isn't just a cognitive, oh yeah, I remember that trivia point. Remembrance is a biblical word, is a fully embodied communal experience. And so that's what we're trying to invite the church into as we enter into the church calendar. I hope that's helpful. It's helpful for me. I never knew it really until relatively recently, and it's kind of brought me alive in a new way. So to to contextualize ourselves, we are now in the church calendar. We've been in the Lenten season, which is a season of preparation for where we are right now. And that's what we typically call the Holy Week. And and that starts with uh, Sunday, Palm Sunday is what we call it. And if you know the story at all, and it's okay that you don't, that's when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And he is entering in on a really embarrassingly small animal. So it's kind of a comical scene. And what Jesus is doing, um, he's kind of mocking the powers that be. Because Roman generals, after a war, and if they were victorious, they would enter into the main gate of a city, And they'd have all their officials and the most important people with them. And people would be lining the road with palm branches and shouting praise to them, often calling them gods. And at the very end of the triumphal procession would be the prisoners, chained and slaves that they've conquered. So this was a regular deal. And now it gives new light to this story. Jesus is entering in as the king of kings, but a new kind of king. As Jesus always does, he's flipping everything on its head. And so Jesus is, is illustrating a new triumphal person, not a big war horse, but a small embarrassing animal that he's, you know, he's trailing his robes and his bedraggled ragtag crew with kind of a few palm branches. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of meant to be comical and sad and also illustrate who is truly king and, and how you really use power. And so Jesus enters in, and he's also, a little small point here, but we think he entered into not the main gate, but the slave gate. And the gate where the people that weren't allowed in important places, that's the only way they could enter the city. So Jesus, the king of kings, the true king of kings and lord of lords, enters in that gate with that crew trailing behind him. And then he goes in, he gets a lay of the land, he goes to the temple, which is this magnificent building that Jewish people believed was the locus of God's presence. And Jesus cleared it out. Not using violence against people, but he cleared it out. He's zealous for God's house. He's stepping into that moment saying, I'm the real temple. I'm the new space where heaven and earth are going to meet. But also, don't you dare put barriers between other people and God. And as the new temple, there will be no barriers. I'm about to make that plain for the world Uh, to see. So then he's doing some teaching, and he's arguing with the religious officials who are upset at him continually. And then uh, we come to uh, the Passover meal. And so Jesus is a Jewish man, his disciples as Jewish boys and men. They would every year, a lot of times go to Jerusalem, but every year with their family and close friends, uh, participate in a Seder meal, uh, which celebrated Passover. So that's the story where God set free his people from slavery in Egypt. And they had to sacrifice an animal and put blood above their door to protect themselves. And then God ushered them out. So they would, from then on, they would begin to have this special Seder meal, which was the most important feast they would have as God's people to remember God's sacrifice for them, God setting them free from slavery, all these incredibly, beautifully redemptive ideas. And so we typically in church celebrate that in the Holy Week on a day called Monday Thursday. Maybe you've been to a Monday Thursday service, maybe not. That word Monday is the Latin word for mandate, and this is Jesus' mandate that he gives them at the Last Supper that he's with them right before he's crucified. Uh, to He gives a new command I give you. Don't just love others as you want to be loved. Love others as I have loved you and I'm about to love you. That's powerful. And so that's Monday, Thursday. That's the Seder meal. And Jesus, in that Seder meal, he enters himself in and makes him, Jesus, the focal point and the epicenter of this Seder meal. So let me read this to you. Um, uh, it's, this is from Luke's uh, gospel. Um, the, the gospel writers give different perspectives of this meal, and so this is Luke's perspective. So let me read this to you. And as I read it, I just want you to kind of, in, in an electio divina sense, that's, that's kind of this art of really entering into Scripture and letting it permeate our being. You can close your eyes. You can read along with me. But I want to encourage you as much as you can to participate in it, enter into the story. Uh, don't just listen with your ears. Listen with your full body. Imagine yourself at the table with Jesus. What would you have been thinking? What are you feeling now? As Remember, we're called to relive the story. So uh, this is Luke 22, starting in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So any Jewish person, yes, yes, they would know this. This is such an important rhythm uh, in their yearly calendar. So Jesus is about to flip it on its head. Uh, where, Where do you want us to go prepare for it, they ask, And he said, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house. The teacher asked, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. When I was in Israel recently, we got to be Uh, in where they think the upper room uh, meal happened and traditionally, and it it was pretty powerful. So Jesus is kind of setting things up. He's kind of gone ahead of them, and he's sending the disciples to kind of set up this traditional Seder Passover meal. Then they left and found the things just Jesus had told them, so they prepared uh, the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at a table. So you'd have a low table, and they're kind of sitting sideways, with one hand propped on a pillow and another hand free uh, to eat. Uh, And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. They still didn't really understand fully what he was meaning by that. He knew. He knew it was very soon. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Interesting point. Uh, Jesus, after he ri- uh, is risen from the dead, and we will celebrate that on Easter Sunday, he eats with them. If you, if you know the different scenes where he, he eats with them. So a lot of times I grew up thinking that's some distant thing that he's talking about. No, the kingdom of God arrived when Jesus rose from the grave, and he broke the power of sin and death. So that, that's kind of a really cool idea to, to ponder. And after taking the cup, these are all uh, things right there in front of him that he set up that are part of this ancient rhythm of the Jewish people, the Seder meal. After he'd taken the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not eat it, drink it again until, uh, of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, saying, you ready for this? He's, this, is, this, is, this is crazy this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me he's now saying like i am the bread of life which he has already said like i am the the locus of this meal now i am god i and and for them, whether they fully got it or whether they got it later, we don't know. I think they were starting to get it and their minds were being blown. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant. So Jesus' new covenant with him through the cross is superseding the old, uh, given in my blood, which is poured out for you. Uh, and, and, and he says, the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine at the table, and the Son of Man will go as it has, it, as it has been decreed, but woe to the man Uh, who betrays them, and they begin to question among themselves which of them it might be uh, who would do this. And there's a lot of other great stuff there, but for the purpose of today's teaching, uh, maybe return to Luke 22. Maybe situate yourself in it. Read it again and again. Pray through it. What might you have been thinking When you came to this festival every year, the Seder meal, and you were looking to God and God alone as the Redeemer and the Deliverer, the one who sets you free from slavery, you're remembering that with your full body. They would tell stories about uh, salvation of old and being set free as they would sit around the Seder meal. And now Jesus is putting himself in the very center of that. And then I'm sure it would all click later for them when he, in short order, would go to the cross. And that's Good Friday, that we celebrate and uh, we grieve we we take time to look at our own brokenness my own brokenness uh, that jesus took all of that brokenness in john and all that brokenness in you and he hung it on himself on the cross and he bore it and he broke it and he removed it and there's no more barriers uh, between us and god because of jesus and his work on the cross uh, and there's no there's no true, uh, power of the cross though without the resurrection. If Jesus stayed in the grave, as Paul would say to the Corinthians, we are all the most foolish of people in the world, right? We're just idiots. <laughs> Cause he's just another dude saying stupid stuff. But we know that isn't true. And so when Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday and we will celebrate that together. That is the high mark of the church calendar, because the kingdom is fully come in Jesus. Heaven and earth have come together in Jesus and finally, finally, what was broken in Genesis 1 is set whole, and Jesus offers open his head from the cross and invites us in, and that invitation is, is, is for all of us. So as we, as we enter the church calendar this year, I, I would challenge you to enter it with new vigor. Uh, don't stay at a distance from it. Uh, enter into it in a new way with your full body and with your full mind and with your full heart. And we've kind of been uh, rallying around the Lord's Prayer, and it's a very simple prayer. Uh, ho- hopefully that's beginning to become a rhythm in your life, so I'd like to just kind of pray that over us as we uh, conclude uh, this teaching. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us a day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven others. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours and yours alone is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen.